so we're going to get into the Word, and today I'm moving forward with uh, the series 40 Days with the Master, and uh, today we're, we're taking another look at Jesus, um, and I want to look at this particular snapshot. I prayed a lot about whether or not I should just, you know, move away from uh, the series altogether and just do a series of uh, one-offs, you know, as the Lord uh, prompted me, but I thought, no, there's no better place than to be with the Master, right? And so we're just going to continue on with this, but one of the things that I, I think is looking into the life of Jesus. Jesus and, and finding out how he would speak to us in the midst of uh, uh, actual, absolute game changers of situations. And so we're going to look at one of those today from John chapter 14. And, uh, and so you should have some notes available to you. They're on version. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably get those emailed out as well so that you can have them. But the notes are going to be right here uh, with me, uh, you know, on the television screen next to me. So uh, let's get right into the word. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says to his disciples, this is just an, this is an intimate group. This is his 12 that he's pulled together. And uh, he says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to, intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now, I want to kind of give you the backstory of what's taking place. Jesus is just with a small intimate group of his disciples. If you notice, and we've had these conversations before in the congregation, that Jesus didn't talk the same way to the same group of people. To his disciples, he, he might uh, rebuke them sharply. He would say at different times, where's your faith? You know, they'd walked with him for three years. They'd watched his miracles. They'd witnessed everything he did. And yet to somebody who was uninitiated, somebody that didn't know Christ at all, not a Christ follower, didn't have the benefit of that intimate relationship with him, he would say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I'm glad that Jesus speaks to us exactly where we need it. Sometimes we need a hug and sometimes we need a kick in the pants. And he knows exactly what we need and he provides for us exactly what we need in our, uh, in our condition, in our situation. 
Now, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them about something that's on the horizon. He's talking to them about how he's going to go to the cross. He doesn't really go into describing all of that in this particular uh, passage, but he's talking to them about leaving. And obviously, they're upset. Obviously, they're concerned. They've left everything that they know to follow Jesus. And uh, let me just push pause on that thought. Let's put it on a shelf for a second. You know what? Uh, I, I've looked at my life numerous times, and I may feel like I'm going through some sacrifices for God. And then, you know, I'll go through a little season, and then I'll look back on that season that I thought, man, I'm really going all in for you, God. I'm really making it happen. I'm really doing everything you've called me to do. I'm really being obedient. And then when I'm done, you know what I, I realize? I realize that I really haven't given up anything. I thought I did. But every sacrifice, every bit of obedience that God ever calls me to, he always more than makes up for it. There, there's more coming back uh, to me. And so I look at that and I say, you know what? How much have I really given up for the kingdom? God has blessed me so much. And I, I'm sure you could probably say the same thing. So Jesus and his disciples are together. Let's take it back down off the shelf and let's talk about that now. Jesus and his disciples are together and they've said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. We don't have our boats anymore. We don't have our fishing uh, business that we used to have. We've left everything. And now Jesus is saying he is going to leave them. But he says this in the midst of their turmoil, their question marks. You can see the question marks over their head. He says, you know what? I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you another counselor. The King James there says comforter. Another comforter. What he was saying was, uh, I'm, I'm your comforter right now, but I'm going to give you another one that's just like me. I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm going to be going, but I'm going to send my replacement. And you'll find in the texts prior to this, John chapter 12, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Think about it. Uh, you got Jesus in the middle. You got 12 around the outside of him, uh, blocking access, if you will, to Jesus. And then uh, there was a time when the 12 were out and about, and Jesus called a 72 to him. But they still, they were, they were carrying his message, but the access to Jesus was limited by the size of the room that he was in or the number of the days uh, that he could be with them. But Jesus is saying a time is coming when the comforter is going to be here, another comforter, another counselor, the spirit of truth, two names, same Holy Spirit. And he's saying when he comes, he, he's going to have a different task. His task is to take what I've taught you and, and what I've made known and then make it known not just to you, but to everybody, to the world. The Holy Spirit is going to be that one that comes alongside. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to know about this transition. I want you to know about what's to come, but I don't want you to be afraid. And church, I would say to you, you know what? The same Jesus, this same Jesus from 2,000 years ago, Hebrews tells us, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to his 12 disciples is the same Holy Spirit who has given, uh, who Jesus has given to us and through whom we have access to the Father. So in our notes today, let's just, uh, let's look at uh, what this text has to say. First thing is I want you to see that uh, in verse one, uh, verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will obey 
what I command. I think that, uh, you know, we're familiar with the five love languages. Uh, the book Five Love Languages came out many years ago by Gary Chapman. Great book. If I were to say, God, what's your love language? It would have to be acts of service. It would have to be, you know, uh, Lord, what do you want? He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. I think in, in many situations we come before the Lord and we say, well, Lord, you know I love you because I tell you that five times a day. But uh, it's possible that our talk is very cheap. It's possible to be those that are, are uh, you know, uh, our lips honor the Lord, but our hearts are far from him. The truer test of our hearts is what we're doing with our life. It's, it's that level of obedience. And so uh, your affection for God creates in you a, a desire to please him. You, you know, what is your desire? Do you want to please the Lord? If you want to please the Lord, then, then you take everything that's in your life, your thoughts, your attitudes, your meditations, what you think about, what you watch, how you treat other people, and you run it all through the lens. Does this prove my love for Jesus? How does my love for God, uh, how is it reflected in every area of my life? Obedience to Christ doesn't come from a head full of philosophical thought. I'm not saying we shouldn't love God with our minds, but, it, but uh, what's going on in our mind doesn't always uh, move into our affections. And, and so, uh, you know, when we have a heart full of gratitude for, for his redemption, when we know how much we've been forgiven of, when we know how much it is that God has done in our lives, when we stop and take stock and say, you know what, uh, I, you know, I've grown up with people uh, around me through high school and I can see where they are and then I can see what God has done in my life. And uh, it's amazing how, uh, how we can run along very similar tracks, but at the same time, the blessing of the Lord will do things in your life. Um, and it just ought to cause a gratitude to rise up in your heart. In this text, uh, the, the word love is used eight times. In John, it's used 56 times as a noun or verb. So there's a concentration in this, uh, in this uh, conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. When they hear the tone of what he has to say, if you love me, you'll obey my command. He talks about the love of the Father. He talks about uh, how that he loves his disciples and how they are to love him. And the, the exchange is one of intimacy. Now, I want to suggest to you, who you love or what you love is, uh, determines how you live. And who you love determines who you see. We've talked before about uh, the, the uh, reticular activating system that's in the, in the brain of every human being. And, it, and it's basically a categorization uh, module, if you will, that's in your brain that whenever you get something that you have an attachment to, whether it's a car, a particular kind of car, you buy that car, and, and then you always have an eye for that car. But you also notice other cars like yours that begin to show up. Uh, you know, on the road. Wow, that looks just like us. Oh, that one's the same, but it's a different color. The the shape of it, the style of it, all of that kind of stuff stored away in your brain. And uh, same is true, you know, with our kids. You know, our, a mother can, uh, one one child in, in 50 can yell mom, and that mom knows the sound of that child's voice. That's the RAS working in your in your brain. And so when you and I have a love for Jesus, and we we position our lives to focus our attention on what God is doing in the earth. We've learned to watch and pray. 
we're going to watch God show up in our lives. And this is what Jesus is talking about in the text, because he says the world doesn't know who he is. The world can't accept who he is. Why? Because they're walking around living by sight. But you and I, as believers in Christ, we live by faith. We love by faith. We, we, our hearts are stirred for our affection for God. And even though we can't see him, we know that he exists. So here's what I, I want you to uh, see in, in uh, point number one in your notes. Um, we love Christ by faith because he first loved us. We don't really know what love should look like. Is, does love look more like lust? Does love look more like brotherly affection? Does love look more like affinity, uh, a child for a, a parent, a parent for a child? What does love look like? Well, the Bible says that Jesus laid down his life for us. It was sacrificial. And, and so that our lives uh, should be marked by this love that causes a behavior change in us. There's something different about the way we live. When you begin to serve the Lord, one of the things that he's going to do is, is uh, you're going to have this affection for God. And where maybe the crowd used to be way up here in your estimation, suddenly your love for God and his word increases and your love for the crowd decreases. And so you don't show up at the same social spots you used to. You don't hang out quite like you used to. People wonder where you went. Well, you know, maybe, maybe it just wasn't doing for you what it used to do for you when that affection for the crowd was really high. Maybe you're concerned about what people thought about you before, and now you're not concerned about that because, you know, the Bible says fear of man proves to be a snare. So you realize, you know what, I've got to care what my father thinks about me. I want to do what he wants me to do. And so then there's this reordering of your affections. And, and this is uh, some of what Jesus talks about. He says, I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And so uh, Jesus is saying this, this comforter is also the spirit of truth. Remember the passage, uh, I believe it was in, in the, the first couple of chapters of John where Jesus, uh, the scripture says of Jesus that he came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. Well, how did he get full of that? Jesus was full of the spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit himself is the spirit of grace and he is the spirit of truth. And so this word comforter is the word paraclete. It means the one that's called alongside to help, who comes right alongside of you exactly where you're at. There is no closer uh, estimation of space than you can have in the paraclete. He comes alongside of you. He, he's there to help you, to bring, bring you where you need to be, to help you do what you do. He doesn't do it for you. But he comes along and helps you to bear the responsibility of serving Jesus, loving the Lord, and fulfilling your calling as a, a follower of Christ. Secondly, in your notes, the world doesn't see Christ because it only lives according to sight. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says uh, that the man without the Spirit cannot receive spiritual things because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. 
And so when you and I recognize that we have this complete dependence on the person of the Holy Spirit, then when you accept Christ, Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, and He enables you to live for God. He enables you even though the, the truth is so much higher that you couldn't get there on your, on your own, yet the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of grace, enables you to live the Christian life. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing, right? And, uh, and yet, he doesn't, he doesn't call us to live without him. That's the beautiful thing, and I think that's what he reflects here. And so, uh, we don't live according to just what we see. Can I tell you right now uh, that you're going to have to make a conscious decision because everybody and their brother is sending out a COVID-19 uh, update. Everybody wants you to know what they're doing about your well-being uh, based, on, based on the news, based on the government, based on the medical. Because of these things, there's an update, 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 many times an hour oftentimes. And those things, if you're not careful, can fuel fear. You have a choice as a believer in Christ. And I don't, I'm telling you, uh, I don't know what people who don't know the Lord, who don't know the hearer of prayer, who don't understand the promises of God. I don't know what they do, except maybe panic, except run to the bottle or run to alcohol or run to, you know, drugs, whatever it is they're doing. I don't know. But let me tell you, you as a believer have to choose to feed your faith. If you'll feed your faith, if you'll feast on the Word of God, if you'll spend time in worship, Holy Spirit is going to come alongside of you, and He's going to strengthen you during this time. And you're going to find that when you get on the other side of this, we don't know how long it's going to take, but when you get on the other side of this, you'll say, wow, I was really close to God then. Wow, I learned some things about my father that I didn't know. I realized just how much I needed him in those, in those lean times, in those difficult times. When everything was turned upside down, I found out that God's promises are true. They are yes and amen in Christ. And, but if you don't do that, let me tell you, you can, you can lose your mind in anxiety. Your heart can fail you for fear, which is prophetic. It's, it's found in the scriptures uh, that that's exactly what's going to happen in the last days. And by the way, we've been in the last days for the last 2,000 years. So, uh, so men's hearts will fail them for fear. Well, it's possible for a believer. That could happen to you. It just means that you've been feeding your fear rather than your faith. And I want to encourage you, stay connected to the Word, stay connected with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and keep going with the Lord, because as you do, your faith is going to increase. Number three, our obedience is a sign of Christ working in us. A lot of people get this backwards. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see. There's two different ways that you could look at this. You could say, if I love Jesus, I will, I will because I love him, I will obey his commands. It sounds like, okay, I'm paying attention to Jesus long enough to read, thou shalt, thou shalt not. And then I say, okay, I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps and I'm going to go do that. And, you know, and then what happens when we operate that way? We fall down. We can't do it in and of ourselves. It is impossible for us to please God. We are then uh, beginning in the spirit and trying to fulfill everything else by walking according to the law. This is the way Galatians said. You begin with the spirit, but then you try to obey the law. That doesn't work. And what I really believe Jesus is saying is a sign of your love for me is that you have spent time with my word and the Holy Spirit is in you and then you will obey. 
my commands. It's very similar uh, from uh, uh, of, a, of a take from the, the scripture in, in Peter where it says, um, it tells us in, in uh, scripture um, how that without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And God says in Peter, be holy for I am holy. Well, what if I told you that that was a statement, not of legalism, not of command from the father, but it's one of DNA. That if I've got the Father's DNA in me and my Father is holy, then He is the one that makes me holy. In fact, we are not holy apart from God. There's imp there, that's an impossibility. But when the person of the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, we're enabled to live for God. We're empowered to live for God. The, the Word comes alive on the inside of us, and then we can do what it is that God's called us to do. And so uh, our obedience is a sign of Christ working in us. Uh, the, the fact that you couldn't do it in the flesh, but you can do it as you're empowered uh, with the Lord. He says, this is how you're going to know in verse 20, 21. On that day, you will realize uh, that because uh, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. In other words, we've got this organic relationship going on. Whoever has my commands obeys them. He is the one who loves me. When you and I receive that engrafted word of God on the inside of us when we accepted Jesus, then we, we had all that we needed right then. The, the word of God on the inside of us, the person of the Holy Spirit to make it grow. Um, when we receive those things, God began doing a work in him and forming the person of Jesus on the, in, and he, on the inside of us, and he creates in us an obedient believer. Number four, Jesus' promise to us is for another counselor or a comforter of the same kind as Jesus himself. I want you to just see the, the text in here. I've, I have a few listed. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. That's verse 16. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Uh, verse, uh, verse 25, he goes on to say, All this I have spoken while still with you, uh, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. This is Jesus' promise. Now, you and I need to realize that his disciples had not received this promise yet. Jesus was inaugurating. He was, he was talking to them about a new covenant experience that they wouldn't fully appreciate until the day of Pentecost. It was going to be some time. And so he was saying, this is what you need to realize. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. He was, he was hearing their word, but they weren't going to receive it until later. He said, there's a day that's going to come. And when that day comes, you're going to realize that I've been in the Father all along and that you are in me and I'm in you. And he said, that, that day is coming. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. You need to realize this day is coming. Now, beloved, can I just talk to you about this for a minute? Some of us are living in last year's experience with God. Some of us are living in five years ago experience with God. That will not serve you in a day like today. That's going to do you no good when you're dealing with 
pandemic circumstances and when you're dealing with, you know, all bets are off, what's going on in the financial world, what's going on in the medical world, what if, what if, what if. That kind of, uh, that kind of lifestyle, that kind of distance between you and God is, is not going to do anything for you at all. You need to have the person of the Holy Spirit closer than the mention of the name of Jesus. You need to have the Holy Spirit in you and upon you. You need the work of God right now. That's where your faith is going to come from. And that's what's going to keep you from uh, uh, be able to drive out fear. It's the shield of faith that the Holy Spirit uh, gives you when you and I stay close to him. And if we don't take advantage of what it is that Jesus has made available to us, then we are no better off than a person that doesn't know God at all. God doesn't want you to know him theologically. He doesn't want you to know him philosophically. He doesn't want you to know him historically. Oh, I used to have a walk with God. You know, I, I used to know I used to know things about God. I've forgotten things about God. Listen, this isn't about, you know, me being able to look at a, a history book and say, well, I, yeah, George Washington, I can tell you where when he was born, where he was born, who he was born to. I can tell you how long he lived. Those are historical facts, but I didn't know the man. But let me tell you, you can know God. You can know Jesus Christ, and you can have the person of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete, and the spirit of truth come alongside of you to give you what you need to bear you up in a season like this. And so number five, Jesus imparts his peace through the person of the Holy Spirit who comes in us, on us, and through us to release his life. All of this to get to this idea that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Notice this last verse in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. He gave us the word of peace. And then he told us the, the comforter was going to come. Comforter. Why, why comforter? Why, why that word? Well, when we're anxious, we need somebody to comfort us. When, when we're, we feel like we're, uh, we're out there all by our, by our lonesome, we need somebody to come alongside and provide comfort. This is what parents do for kids. When, when difficulties are around, parents just kind of pull their kids in. Come on, let's hug. Let's, let's have a conversation. You know, here's, here's one beautiful thing that's happening right now because of everything around us. You, you should be sequestered with your family. You should be pulling together with your kids. You should be talking to them about, uh, about how God is good and God is caring for you during this time. And, and the fact that you're together is a sign of that comfort. It's a, you know, it's a witness to the comfort. There, there is no more comfort to a child than a parent's hug, than a parent's voice. There is nothing else that can replace that. And so when you take advantage of that during right now, moms and dads, I know you got question marks, but you still need to comfort your kids. You still need to be there for them. And you know what? When you do that and you invite the Lord into the midst of that, he's going to not only give you the words to say, but he's going to impart his peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Let me tell you, what the world gives is way overrated. What the world, we, we, we chase after all kinds of stuff in this world. This, this ought to really be a check mark, uh, you know, in our souls during this time when we see all the freedoms that we have and things that we chase after. And all of a sudden when they're pulled away, what, what can really the world give you right now? Stay home, you know, uh, 
we, we can't help you. You know, uh, finances could get tight in the next couple of, uh, couple of weeks, couple of months. There's going to be, you know, this, this pandemic thing that's been around. Can I tell you, it's been around as long as human beings have been around. This, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, Marcus Aurelius had a plague that happened the entire reign of, uh, that he had. Uh, people were, bodies were stacked up in Rome around Marcus during his leadership. There, you know, this kind of thing is not new to humanity. It happens. It happens. Maybe it hasn't happened in our, in our lifetime before, and maybe we have a short-term memory problem, or maybe we just haven't read our history books. But these things happen in our world. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. You need to hear a word from a planet called heaven. You need to realize that God has something that he wants to impart to you today. His peace, his life in the person of the Holy Spirit coming alongside of you to build you up and to give you grace, to give you the words, and to steady your soul. He said, Jesus said, I don't give you as the world gives. I'm here to give you peace. There's nobody else that can do that because Jesus himself is the prince of peace. He rules and he reigns. That peace that is that beautiful word from the Hebrew, the shalom of God. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. And in Jesus, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. He is all you need. And if you'll find him in the midst of your trial, you will find he is all you need. If you will call on his name, you will find he is all all you need. When you're stressed out, if you'll take a minute and just get on your knees or better yet, get your face on the floor and say, Jesus, I need you right now, you will find he is all you need. He doesn't give you as the world gives. He doesn't give you false promises. He doesn't give you false hopes. He doesn't give you uh, uh, a decision and then change his mind the next day. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Everything's fulfilled in him. So I have a couple of questions that I, I want to encourage you to, to get a hold of uh, today. Maybe talk about this in your, in your living room. In what ways could, could have the disciples been shaken by the circumstances of Jesus's death? What, what was going on in their mind? Um, secondly, how did Jesus reassure them and help them to get prepared to respond. You know, Ephesians 6 tells us that we need to uh, put on the whole armor of God so that we can take our stand when the day of evil comes. You put on the armor before the day of evil comes. Some of us, I think, in the midst of this trial, it's a locator. We found out maybe we've left some of our armor off. Some of us forgot where it was. Maybe it was in the closet. I don't know. But we, we, we didn't, uh, we weren't prepared. But get prepared now. Get prepared now. Cut off the television. Cut off the Facebook. Just dig into the Word of God and, and get, your, get your strength back. Get your faith back about you. Lastly, how are we to think about where God is when things seem to fall apart around us? What does Jesus tell us in these moments of uncertainty? What is the promise of God? What's God saying to you as your, at your, in your family right now? What does he want to show 
to you. He wants you to find him in the midst of this circumstance. I hope he'll use this word to help you do it. I hope that he will speak to you in, in your daily life. I hope that you'll find the Lord in the midst of these circumstances, that your kids will see the way you model, that the kids will take a hold of this for himself. Let me tell you, they don't get a junior Holy Spirit. They got the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And he dwells in you and he dwells in, in them. And I'm sure many of them are rising up strong because they they uh, they have taken a hold of the word for themselves. So I want to pray with you right now, and then we're going to close up for now. But uh, I hope that you'll uh, take this word to heart. I hope that you'll find uh, the Lord in the midst, and you'll find the peace that Jesus, only Jesus can give. Uh, if you've still got anxiety, let me tell you, you, you have the choice to either feed your faith or feed your fears. Whichever one you feed is going to grow. So find the, the source of that fear coming into your life and cut it off. Give it time for your faith to build up, and you're going to watch yourself grow strong in the peace of God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for our time to gather together around the Word. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what happens, the Word of God endures forever. Nothing hinders your Word. Lord, there have been wars. There have been diseases. There have been pestilences, there have been governments rise and fall, but your word endures forever. And we thank you for that today. And we stand strong and we stand tall on your word today. Lord, establish your people. Lord, may they be strengthened today. The entrance of your word brings light. And I thank you for being a lamp to their feet and a light to their path today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.